What's up, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I am Jonathan Hood. Don't forget, you can catch me with Gabe and Brian for Good Karma Wrestling every Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 Pacific, live on YouTube, or catch the podcast right here, where you've downloaded Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Same feed, same wrestling conversation. You can catch it right here on this feed, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. With Good Karma Wrestling, we do live Every Thursday, hope that you're able to join us because my God, my God, there has been so much to talk about. Uh, if you have not listened to my previous podcast, go into the archives and I'll give you my thoughts on CM Punk uh, and also Tony Khan and the way that they came across in the press conference after All Out at the Now Arena in Hoffman Estates. I gave a whole full thing on that. I even get to the pay-per-view. I will get to the pay-per-view here in this podcast. I will talk about my favorite matches and my thoughts on All Out. I know that that seems like a distant memory, (laughs) even though it it took place this past Sunday, but still, I've got to get to it because I haven't um, talked about it yet because of everything that's been going on. I've tried to record this podcast three times, and every time I record this podcast, I have to stop because I get, I'm getting a text, text message or I'm getting something off of Twitter uh, regarding what happened after All Out with CM Punk, the latest with the Young Bucks, uh, and Ace Steel, and Kenny Omega, and everything else. So uh, I'm recording this at 8 o'clock Central Time on Tuesday night. And so I've tried to wait until all the information came out. We still don't have all the information, but I will give you the latest based on what I know at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time on Tuesday. Our podcast here today is brought to you by Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and you can get yourself 20% off your next order. If you use my promo code HOOD, that's my last name, H-O-O-D, my real first name, HOOD. Go to manscaped.com and say, why would I need that? Well, you know, guys, you know you need some help down there. Literally, the best shave that you'll ever have downstairs is through manscaped.com. They've got the Lawnmower 4.0, the all-new skin-safe electric trimmer, also the anti-chafing ball deodorant, the crop preserver. Oh, Jay Hood, I don't need that. Oh, yes, you do. You don't think you do, but you do. The Crop Reviver, also the Magic Mat. Also, they have free gifts. They've got a great travel bag called the Shed. And they also have Manscaped Boxers. It has Manscaped in, in, right on the front of the boxers. Uh, anti-chafing boxers, by the way. You can get them in different sizes. Go to Manscaped.com. If you don't think you need it, buy it for someone that you know who needs it. It's a great gift uh, for that guy that really needs some help down there. As Scott Hall would say, manscaped.com, promo code HOOD, and it's the perfect package 4.0. That's what you're looking for, the perfect package 4.0, the peak hygiene plan. Okay, man, this has been something. And since Sunday, this has just been an ongoing story about what is going on in AEW. And so let me... Talk about Tony Khan, because, again, if you want to hear my thoughts about CM Punk uh, and the incident that took place, go, you could pause this and go back to the previous podcast. I want to dig in on Tony Khan at the top here and then we'll get to all out. Trust me, I got to get to that because um, we have to talk about that pay-per-view. 
Tony Khan, the owner of All Elite Wrestling. I've had conversations with Tony Khan. He's been on this program before on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. And I find him to be an affable sort. Um, obviously, I mean, he makes a cup of coffee nervous. He's just so jittery and so full of energy. And he really wants AEW to succeed. You know, his dad, Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And here's a guy here that's a U of I, a University of Illinois guy that loves wrestling and just wanted to have his own promotion. And he has his own promotion, but he's not running it well. I've criticized him for his booking issues. Again, when you're in the business for three years, it's not going to be perfect. I understand that. There's certain things where a trained eye or even a trained fan, whether you're in the business or not, can look at it and say, hmm, there's holes in that booking. Or are you booking for story or are you booking for super bouts, for super matches? And so I see that there are some holes here and there. It's not bad. Absolutely, it's not bad. Obviously, AEW is doing well when you're in the either number one or in the top two or three in your time slot, especially in television today where everything's so spread out and Netflix here, Amazon there, yeah, you know, all your favorite shows that you watch digitally, let alone maybe some of the networks, and then AEW comes out on top more times than not in their time slot. Hats off to them. Because they're doing something right. But there's some things that they are not doing right. And Tony Khan uh, is someone that needs to get a hold of his organization. But also you lead by example. He's not just a neophyte when it comes to booking. He's a neophyte when it comes to leadership as well. Could you imagine him as someone who's running the Fulham soccer club, the football team that he runs. Could you imagine him having a press conference like he had in Chicago after All Out, the things that he said? He said something that was jarring to me, a number of things, but this was jarring to me. Pretty similar to the other pay-per-views this year. I think it would be Forbidden Door was an unprecedented success and the biggest debut in AEW pay-per-view history. Uh, a lot of the buys were international and the price point is obviously a little bit lower on international. I think this would be more total buys and a higher domestic percentage, so the revenue would be significantly higher than Forbidden Door. I'd expect it to be similar to Double or Nothing, um, but All Out last year was higher than Double or Nothing was last year. Double or Nothing this year was the high all time for Double or Nothing, obviously. I don't know if we'll quite hit that, but I do think uh, it's going to be uh, in that range. So uh, very good. Given the competition that we've never faced before, this is kind of an unprecedented marker, in my opinion. But it's still the, the number is the number, and I have to face the competition out there. But when I compare myself to Jim Crockett Promotions this weekend, I think I got a taste of the same medicine Jim Crockett Promotions took. But I have a lot more fucking money than Jim Crockett did. And I'm not going to get, I'm serious, I'm not going to sit back and take this fucking shit. Okay. So, obviously... You're listening to an old school wrestling fan who knows Jim Crockett promotions. For those of you that don't know, Jim Crockett passed away not too long ago. He was the head of the National Wrestling Alliance, and um, he was in a fight with Vince McMahon in the 80s to try to figure out how he can get traction and trying to figure out how he can be on a national platform on TBS and obviously, he fell short of that goal, but he had a very successful organization uh, in the Mid-Atlantic area, uh, all throughout a lot of the South, but mostly Mid-Atlantic. And then he goes national, and of course, the, the company sold to Turner Broadcasting. There was no need for Tony Khan to take a shot at Jim Crockett. I've got a lot more fucking money than Jim Crockett. I'm not going to take this shit. What? What is he talking about? What he's talking about, my friend is he's talking about that the WWE had their Clash at the Castle pay-per-view, the premium live event, uh, and it was very successful. They say about over 60,000 people was there uh, in Cardiff, Wales for that event. It was very successful. They had six matches. It was a banger. Over three hours of action, whether you like the booking of it or not. I, I, I gave a review of that pay-per-view as well in the archives right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So you can go back and listen to my thoughts on Saturday afternoon about that. Uh, but they had a very successful event. Uh, NXT had their show as well uh, as they were 
pretty much having NXT UK talent take on NXT talent. And so that took place in Orlando, Florida before All Out. And so Tony Khan is pissed because ultimately what he said in his press conference was, we didn't know we were going to be the third event of three on Labor Day weekend because he thinks that Labor Day weekend is his weekend. So he's not going to take it anymore. What's he going to do? Yeah, you have more money, but what does that even mean? Ask Vince McMahon what it was like for Jim Crockett Promotions to have the first clash of champions in Greensboro head-to-head against WrestleMania from Atlantic City. It was the pay-per-view against Jim Crockett Promotions in their show from the NWA. Ask Vince McMahon what's it like that every time he had a WrestleMania, that there were indies all around that whole WrestleMania outfit, all around the festivities of WrestleMania. All of these indies were able to eat because of WrestleMania. What about uh, the wrestling showcase uh, that took place at the Hyatt in Schaumburg? I, I heard it was very successful. And so is he going to stop indie wrestling from happening around his events at AEW because he's not going to take the shit anymore? What is he talking about? I mean, when you have a major event, and if indies, like, I mean, just like we saw uh, with Game Changer Wrestling, they had a show in Hoffman Estates as well. What was he going to do, ban those other organizations from coming in? He's mad at the WWE because they had a show that was booked well in advance in Cardiff, Wales. It feels like, oh, you know, I'm not going to take this anymore. What are you going to do? Like, what kind of child is saying this? But see, the reason why I bring this up, and that's just a sample of some of the stuff that Tony Khan was saying, he just went from zero to 100, just snapped off Joe, trying to just go after the WWE because of what they do. Can I just tell you something? You wouldn't see Triple H doing that, and at least least not getting angry about it. Does he take side swipes? Absolutely take side swipes. Does he try to minimize the competition? Absolutely. He actually acknowledged AEW in his conversation with uh, Ariel Helwani. He didn't kill him. He did say that, hey, you know, they beat our developmental, uh, so good for them. uh." Okay. I mean, that's one side swipe. But he wasn't angry about it. He's arrogant. Because he knows that he has the top brand in, not just in North America, but all throughout the world. People know the WWE brand. I'm disappointed in Tony Khan for allowing that press conference to take place first. CM Punk, and I'm a Chicago guy, CM Punk Chicago guy, but what's wrong is wrong. So you have Roman Reigns on one channel representing the company Today Show. He's on Good Morning Britain. He's on all these shows leading into Clash of the Castle. Or anytime there's a WrestleMania or anytime there's a big event, he represents the company so well. And on the other side, here's CM Punk eating pastries, going after the EVPs, the executive vice presidents in the company. And Tony Khan doesn't do anything about it. It's odd that Tony Khan's there for every press conference sitting at the table, in the middle of the table, with the talent. I think also that's very odd. If he's on the side and he sees that CM Punk is going off, you know what? Maybe he tells PR, okay, that's enough of the questions. We're going to pull him out of there. But he's lost control. When you are a mark like Tony Khan is, and we're all marks for the business. I don't say that in a derisive tone. When you're a mark like Tony Khan and is so into all the talent, and you're not going to reprimand them on the spot, that's a problem. There's no way that any of the WWE talent, MLW talent, NWA talent, New Japan talent, uh, would go off in that term, at least uh, not in character, I mean, not out of character. You see New Japan guys just go off because that's just in character, and it gets over in Japan. But the idea that CM Punk is going to sit there and just go after people, hey, you can do this if it's the UFC because you're the only brand. But when you have, you're trying to get advertising, you want Warner Media to like what you're doing. And apparently, Warner Media, the one that is airing these shows for AEW on TBS and TNT, apparently not happy about that whole thing that happened with CM Punk, not happy about the language at these press conferences. It's just different because it's wrestling. You know, boxing and MMA, they're already number one in their particular combat sports. AEW still has a long way to climb. 
but I hold Tony Khan responsible. I cannot say that any stronger. I hold him responsible for allowing this to happen. And for, for when he gets pissed off and he uses that language, he lets his, his uh, wrestlers use that language. And so, look, I'm not offended by it. I just know that that can hurt the brand. Because any company can just, or any sponsor can just move away from this. Like, okay, we understand that this is not um, kid-friendly. We understand that this is for adults, but I don't want to be associated with this brand. Or I don't want this on my channel, which is also an issue for All Elite Wrestling. In three years, will they still be on Turner Television? I don't know. They don't even have a Ring of Honor deal right now. So I just think that Tony Khan needs to listen. And I've read a couple, a lot of things today, like how he's leaning in and talking to Tony Schiavone because Tony Schiavone saw when uh, WCW was collapsing. So he's leaning on Tony on how to be able to handle some of this. For once, for the first time in three years, I'm hearing Tony Khan's actually listening to the people around him. But I hold him fully responsible for this nonsense. Now, what happened afterwards, and let me get to this and then I'll, I'll get to all out. Let me give you the latest based on what happened uh, uh, as of 8 o'clock on Tuesday night as I record this. I'll read two stories. One of them is from the Wrestling Observer. Josh Nason wrote this. Chris Jericho and John Moxley rescheduled to appear on AEW Dynamite. Suspensions update. The two stars weren't originally scheduled for Wednesday, but were called into duty. So due to the ever-changing situation following the post-all-out backstage fight between CM Punk, Ace Steel, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, changes have been made to Wednesday's uh, AEW Dynamite. It's going to take place in Buffalo. Dave Meltzer is reporting that the two of those changes include the AEW World Champions, uh, the uh, uh, Chris Jericho and John Moxley, both appearing on Wednesday's Buffalo, New York debut. Neither were originally scheduled to appear, and it's unknown if they will be wrestling or simply doing promos. Meltzer said that there are suspensions stemming from the Sunday fight that was a result of Punk's post-all-out press conference comments where he called the EVPs of AEW in addition to Hangman Page, Cole Cabana, and MJF with inflammatory language. Then from there, it says that Steele and Pat Buck, and Pat Buck is a, um, is a producer, is an agent that works in the back, and so is, was A. Steele, uh, will not be at Dynamite, but it's unconfirmed if they are officially suspended. Meltzer also says that he believes that others involved in the fight will also not be brought to Buffalo. So that's the latest as far as what the Wrestling Observer is reporting. I'll give you one more. And that is going to come from uh, Fightful. So Sean Ross Sapp says that Fightful Select has learned more about the fight that went down at AEW All Out as being told to people close to the Ace Steel CM Punk side of things. Per the Punk Steel side of things, after the scrum, the Young Bucks approached Punk's locker room. And Punk wasn't answering the door after having been in a long match. He was bloodied and finished with an emotional scrum. The Bucks were said that they pounded on the door with claims that they kicked the door down. Ace Steele's wife was in the room, which is what Steele had told people uh, that set him off to make him go ballistic, throwing chairs and ending up biting someone. The claim made from him was that he was looking out for his wife above anything else. From what we heard, Omega didn't seem nearly as upset initially, but things got out of hand and ended up uh, being bitten. We're told that the fight was a very long altercation and that the talk back and forth did not stop after the brawl. Now, here's what's interesting about CM Punk. There were rumors that CM Punk had injured his triceps during the fracas. However, those near him say it happened during a dive that many noticed during the all-out main event. He could be seen icing it after the match during the scrum. We haven't been told any the severity of it, uh, but we were told Punk was hurt going into the backstage fight. So that's amongst in the comments from, um, uh, from Fightful Select regarding CM Punk and Ace Steel. It's all unprofessional. It's unprofessional for the executive vice presidents like the Young Bucks 
or from Hangman Page's standpoint, to be able to leak any information to any of the wrestling journalists. And it's also unprofessional for CM Punk to uh, talk about this openly, including what was going on with uh, Colt Cabana. I mean, a reporter starts to ask a question. He never gets a real chance to answer, ask his question because he recognizes this reporter uh, has been synonymous with Cole Cabana. So that just opened the door for Punk to just go after Cole Cabana because of whatever reason. And again, this comes probably because he's angry at Hangman Page. And I'd say one thing. So CM Punk continues to say, my door's open, talk to me. My door's open, talk to me. Well, the Bucks apparently tried to kick the door down, and I guess that didn't work out well. And so, you know, all I know is I keep seeing these videos and these memes about, you know, what Triple H and others have said about CM Punk when CM Punk was in the company. I don't know. All I know is that um, Tony Khan's got to get a hold of this and there should be suspensions. We're going to find out whether or not CM Punk is still going to be AEW champion, uh, whether or not he's going to be suspended or not. If I'm Tony Khan... The whole bunch of those guys are suspended. And I'm reevaluating something that I've said before. Don't let the boys run your business. Just because the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes were all part of trying to get AEW started doesn't necessarily mean that you should have the boys running your business. And this is what, ha- what has happened. This is what's happened. Like The Young Bucks have a lot of creative control to try to help the company. Nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to stuff like this, if the EVPs are the ones or someone that works under Tony is leaking information that shouldn't be out there, that's on Tony Khan. And you got to make that change. Hmm. It's funny that Eddie Kingston was on Busted Open on Sirius XM Fight Nation saying that he knows who's been leaking information. He said this to Mark Henry. Listen very closely. And Mark Henry, by the way, also works for AEW. I hate the dirt sheet shit. I really do. It and doesn't they, bother they me no more. It doesn't bother me no more because I know it. why people, believe it or not, don't think I know who leaks stuff. I know who doesn't. You know what I mean? I may not know the exact person, but I know it's one of the boys. It's one of the girls. And they're but, doing but my, it out of insecurity. My thing is, is perception. Yes. Like, you have been very critical about people that say something about how much you weigh or how you look. Like, that was something that didn't bother me. And I want to know, why Why does that bother you? Because no, you, can, right. you can beat them. The people, <laughs> the people that say shit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You talk shit, you but get here, hit. But That's, here, here's the thing, Mark. It doesn't bother me until people who didn't draw money say it. Oh. If you say it. Okay. If you say it, I would go, well, maybe I got to rethink things. If Booker T said it. All right, maybe I got to maybe hit the gym harder. But if someone who hasn't done anything, you know what I mean, then that bothers me. That, that's the that, you know best I mean? answer I've had because in you years. Get, you, you, it's not fair. It's not- <laughs> who is Eddie Kingston talking about? Sammy Guevara? He's talking about Hangman Page? Who knows? All I know is that it's a mess. Whatever you think about CM Punk, through promos and AEW interviews... There's always little seeds that are planted. You know, like when Eddie Kingston went face-to-face with CM Punk in this promo. Seeing this and hear this, and I need you to open up your ears and hear this. Nobody wants you here. They never wanted you here. That whole locker room's afraid to say it? Not me. So get out and stop smirking at me like you did the other day. Or I'll smack you right off your face. Or Cody Rhodes. Uh, 2022 is it really leans into what you mentioned earlier in terms of all those free agents yeah. and all the originals and all the pillars. I think you really are setting up for a year-long battle royal. So we see how they mix. Exactly. Yeah. A year-long, incredibly tumultuous yeah. battle royal of, oh, well, I came from WWE and I never watched your product, but I'm super over. Or I've been here the whole time. Both are annoying. Yeah. Both opinions are entitled and annoying, but they make for great wrestling. Or MJF. Do I win? You people are finally going to get to see the real CM Punk. The CM Punk who loses his fake smile the second he doesn't get what he wants. 
The CM Punk who blames all of his failures on everyone else but himself. The CM Punk who, if he feels like he hasn't gotten his just due, he's more than willing to sue. A shot at Colt Cabana and the CM Punk situation. Like I said, you have to be able to control your personnel. Whatever you want to say about Vince McMahon, whatever you want to say about him. The one thing for sure is, outside of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, there was not a lot of that in the WWE. And the whole thing with Shawn and Bret ended up really starting the Attitude Era in the WWE. But in AEW, can I just tell you something? I know AEW and I know WWE and the Attitude Era. This ain't it. This is a bunch of rogue wrestlers saying whatever they want to, use any kind of language they want to, and it might be over in the internet, but does it equal to ratings? If you haven't heard anything else I've said on this podcast, listen very closely. Based on what has happened with that press conference that was on YouTube, not even on TNT or TBS, it was on YouTube. Based on that, based on the rumors and based on the conjecture that's out there, let's see if all of this internet talk will equal into ratings. Usually when you have something like this, you're building toward an event. You're building toward a main event. You're building toward uh, something special in the ring. Let's see what happens with AEW in Buffalo, the Dynamite Show on Wednesday. Will all of this equal into a major rating? And will this catapult the company moving forward? Time will tell. Let's turn now, finally, to AEW All Out. (laughs) Okay, since we got all this other drama happening, if there's something else that breaks while I'm recording, I will let you know uh, by the end of this podcast, but I'm going to focus in right now on All Out. Again, I've been trying to get this off the ground for a while, but all this news keeps coming in, so I just wanted to get it all gathered for you uh, in one podcast. Okay. So let me give you my thoughts on All Out. Unfortunately, I was unable to go to the Now Arena because of COVID, because I had COVID. And uh, it was disappointing because that's one of the events I like to go to. I was there last year. I've been to a number of AEW events, so I wish I was able to go, but I was not. There was so much that was going on this weekend, indie shows and uh, AEW, and uh, I didn't get a chance to go, but I watched everything, obviously. And uh, so, but next year, Man, or later on this year or next year, if they have this Labor Day again, I'm, I hope to be there with you in the arena to watch the events. My three favorite matches at AEW All Out. My number one favorite match is Brian Danielson against Chris Jericho. And if you like wrestling matches, you would really enjoy Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho because that's exactly what it was. I, dude, get out of, you need to get out of here, MJF. I'm talking. Anyway, so I really enjoyed uh, Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho. Um, I really liked that match because it was a pure wrestling match. Brian Danielson, Chris Jericho, both those guys are two of the best wrestlers in the company. And to see them go at it in battle, that was just fun to watch. I really enjoyed that. And Chris Jericho comes out on top. So eventually we're going to get a rematch here. And I don't know if the rematch will be as good as the original, but Jericho made the comment in the press conference afterwards, like, yeah, you know, there's certain matches I wish I had an opportunity to have more than once. He mentioned that he only took on The Undertaker maybe once, maybe twice in his career, and he didn't understand how come he didn't have more matches against The Undertaker. Same thing with Brian Danielson. He says, man, I never got the opportunity to really take on Brian Danielson. And so Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson, they tore it up, and it was a great match, and Jericho comes comes out on top and it wouldn't surprise me if Brian Danielson gave the wink and the nudge and goes, yeah, man, why don't you go over tonight and let's just have, let's have it out. And it was physical and they had so many submission holds on one another. And it was, it was fun. It was kind of something that you see in new Japan or in Mexico or, um, in WCW during the, uh, during the days of, uh, the NWO in that era, those kind of matches, that was fantastic. A classic match that would have been cool in any era. So that was my favorite match in the card. The second favorite match I had in the card was Swerve in Our Glory against the Acclaimed. 
So there's a number of people, and it was mentioned in this press conference as well after All Out, that the acclaimed should have won the AEW Tag Team Championships. And man, that was a much better match than I expected. It's the best match the acclaimed ever had. And I'm watching Swerve in our glory, and I know that Keith Lee is a beast, and I know that Swerve is a tremendous wrestler. That guy should be a singles champion at some point in AEW. That guy has the chops to be the heavyweight champion, quite frankly, uh, heel or babyface. I think he can, he could be that guy, but um, that was the best match I've seen from the acclaimed. That's the thing that stood out to me the most. I already knew that Swerve in our glory they can go. I know that. But to see those two um, be in this matchup and the kind of response that people had on those near falls for the acclaim, people were waiting to pop for the acclaim to win the tag team championships. But here's the thing about uh, Swerving Our Glory. They were getting booed. They don't care if they're heel or baby faces. They just feel like they're being disrespected. And I've said this on Good Karma Wrestling a number of times, and I'll continue to say it. Because Swerve and Our Glory are the AEW Tag Team Champions, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's great. But when you continue to roll out FTR with their three sets of Tag Team Championships, ask someone in your household, sit down. Okay, here's a Tag Team with three championships, and here's a Tag Team with one. Who do you think the Tag Team Champions are? The perception will be it's FTR. The perception is that FTR are the best tag team in the company or the best tag team in the world. And they've proven over the last year plus or two years, uh, especially around this company, that they are the best in the world. They've always been solid. They've always been a fan. Um, but they hold three sets of tag team championships. But I, I believe that Swerving Our Glory and the Acclaimed are going to go at it at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, in Queens. Uh, and I will drop the news now. Uh, because we just got this approved on the, I got the right date, the 22nd of September, first day of autumn, the 22nd of September, uh, we'll have a good karma wrestling, but the day before that on the 21st, uh, Wednesday, the 21st, when good karma, when good karma wrestling will have a special show when uh, AW will be at Arthur Ashe Stadium. We'll be on at 9 p.m. Central Time with a special Good Karma Wrestling. That's what I want to tell you. The 21st of September, we will have a special. It's a tip of the cap to our listeners and our viewers from ESPN New York, but we will have a special show after the Arthur Ashe uh, Stadium show on the 21st of September, 9 p.m. Central Time, 7 Pacific. So check it out. We'll be on live uh, after that show from Arthur Ashe. Just wanted to throw that out there because I don't think we promoted that just yet. Um, but anyway, so I think that they're going to have the acclaimed and swerve in our glory. I believe that um, I believe the acclaimed will win in New York because I guess those two are from New York. So I think that uh, that could happen. So, but I really love that match. That was fantastic. Say, for instance, we didn't have Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho. I probably would have gone, gone with the Swerving Our Glory against the Acclaimed as my favorite match uh, on the card. My third favorite match was the Elite against Adam Page in the Dark Order. You talk about all the moves, right? It was a fantastic AEW Trios championship matchup. And you just love the story because Adam Page easily um, could have gone with the Young Bucks and uh, and they could have won the trios championships, but Kenny Omega did not have the the black uh, shirt on. He did not have was not taped up or all that. Didn't look like the Michelin Man. He was out there and he competed. It was fantastic. I really enjoyed that matchup as well. Those are my three favorite matches. Now, as far as the card is concerned. Well, Eddie Kingston did defeat uh, Ishii, but boy, he was putting Ishii over big time. Putting him over. After the matchup, he was just sitting there pointing, kept pointing at Ishii, who was selling the whole time. But Kingston just kept pointing that that's the guy, that's the guy. Actually, no, Eddie, you're the guy because you beat Ishii uh, in the pre-show. Hook against Angelo Parker. Oh, man. I think we're going to get a special tag team match out of Hook. You know, that matchup did not last long. And so... Hook being the FTW champion, 
I don't know where this character goes. I know that at one point it was hot, and it's great that he won the championship, but is he going to have a match longer than five minutes, seven minutes? And will he have better opponents? No shot at Angelo Parker. I mean, Hook's got to, he's going places, but I want to know, will he ever step up in class, and will he go, can he go longer than five or six minutes? Is he supposed to be so special that he's going to be in line for, I don't know, a TNT or championship matchup? Is that what's going to happen? I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Sammy Guevara and, and Ty Mello against Ortiz and Ruby Soho. God almighty. Ruby Soho just cannot, she just can't get a break. She almost got her neck broken in this match. God almighty. I, mean, I think she officially broke her nose. Man, I like Ruby Soho. I just want her to stay healthy because I think that people dig her. I think people like because she's different. Man, just stay healthy, man. That was tough. I'm confused about Pac and Kip Sabian. This is the worst match I've seen Pac in. And worst meaning maybe not horrible, but just out of all the matches I've seen, I expected more from this this Pac-Kip Sabian uh, All-Atlantic Championship matchup. Odd. Odd. It's odd because Kip Sabian, not only in AEW, but also overseas, has been following Pac. He's had a box over his head. And <laughs> it's an old Jim Cornette trope that anyone comes out of a box, they're over. Come out of a box. I don't give a damn who you are. If you're out of a box, you're over. It's an old Memphis thing, right? Where if you, I remember seeing in uh, WCW where, um, God, was it was a Cactus Jack against Sting, and Sting kept having boxes delivered to him at his matches, and finally he opened up the box, and it was Abdul the Butcher coming out of the box. He was instantly over. I think this is an old Memphis thing, too. Somebody comes out of the box, it's a surprise, and then they're immediately over. And this is just in a different way. He has a box over his head, and you thought you'd get more of this out of this match, and you didn't. It was just disappointing to me. There's a number of disappointing matches, which we'll get to as we move forward. This casino ladder match... Um, you know, ultimately, the way I see it, I feel like uh, MJF won that. I don't, maybe it's just me. It just feels like that he won the casino ladder match. A lot of great spots there, especially with Cesaro being involved. But, you know, just the way it happened, I think that we finally can see Stokely's crew. They're all dressed in black. They all came out. Maybe now we'll get an answer to what's up with Stokely's crew and how much of, uh, how effective they can be. You can have a stable of wrestlers. Who's going to get out of that stable? You know, the whole concept of having a stable of wrestlers and when you're a manager is someone or, or a few people have to spin out of that faction and be able to get over and put and, and be in championship uh, contendership, be a, a championship contender. So we'll see about that. House of Black against Darby, Sting, and Miro. So, um, hmm. so what is going on with the House of Black? Will they still be intact? Or are we going to see the former Aleister Black um, be completely gone out of this faction? I don't know the answers to that. Um, but I, I like the House of Black. I think they have one of the coolest entrances in AEW. To see it live, I've seen it live in Milwaukee and I've seen it live in Chicago several times. Uh, it's a cool entrance, but now what happens to it? That's the question. Um, FTR and Wardlow against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, very good match. Um, I just think that's a, you know, Wardlow should be defending his championship. If you really want that title to mean something, why is he in a trios match? FTR is a team that deserves to be in a tag team match defending at least one of their championships, but they're in this six-man with the Motor City Machine Guns and Jay Lethal. Hey, all six of those guys are over with me. It's fantastic. It was it was a good match. I liked it. Um, I also liked the finish because Sanjay Dutt got his. Got his. He got his, his pencil broken. He got his heart broken um, by... Uh, Cash Wheeler, but by Dax Harwood's uh, daughter, so I think that that was cool. <laughs> what was up with this Ricky Starks Powerhouse Hobbs match? It's almost like they're running out of time, that they were shortening some of these matches. The best hype was Ricky Starks saying what he's going to do to Powerhouse Hobbs, and Hobbs went right through him. 
I mean, went right through him. Like, God damn, <laughs> he, he was quick. And uh, and that took the air out of the out of the audience, I think, because people are just so into Ricky Starks and in a different outfit. You notice he had long tights and uh, people thought, you know, this is going to be good. Now, Starks, Starks got some licks in, but Powerhouse Hobbs went right through Ricky Starks. One, two, three. Christian Cage was not um, 100% and probably shouldn't have wrestled in this match. And he, he barely did. And the reason why that match was so short is because, well, Christian Cage could not really perform. It was, you'd think, out of all the grudge matches, that should have been the top grudge match, or at least one of them. Not the top, but at least one of them. And, uh, well, Christian Cage wasn't 100%, but then Luchasaurus interferes, and it becomes a short match as Jungle Boy gets put uh, right on the uh, on the grating, you know, where the pyro takes place, and uh, his back was all scarred up, and Christian Cage won one, two, three. So when Christian Cage heals up, I guess we'll see more of Cage against Jungle Boy, but it was a nice build, but flat, just like the Ricky Starks Powerhouse Hobbs. It was a good build, but just flat. Jade Cargill against Athena for the TBS Championship. Athena, she got into the face of Jade Cargill. She probably had the promo of her life against Jade Cargill right before the event. I think we saw this on Rampage. Pretty good. Pretty good promo. But I never believed that Athena was going to win the championship. And similar to Roman Reigns, and I'm not saying that Jade Cargill is Roman Reigns. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is, is that I don't know who's going to beat Jade Cargill. I don't know if AW knows who's going to beat Jade Cargill. I mean, there's some people that could. That is for sure. There's a number of, of women in that company that could. Uh, Jamie Hayter, the, whose theme is the, uh, the theme of this show, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I think that she could. Uh, there's a number of, of veteran wrestlers that can go head up against Jay Cargill and beat her, and it would be believable. Athena's not one of them. You see those two stand against one another. Athena's so short, but powerful, and can go. And Jay Cargill, I, I loved her outfit. Like She went She-Hulk, a whole different look. I love it. She never looks the same. <laughs> it's pretty special. Uh, the promo is pretty strong. And by the way, Jay Cargill took the advice of uh, Brian Danielson, and got off of Twitter for a while. I guess she had some, not necessarily mental health issues, but just some issues with Twitter. And Danielson's like, let me see your phone. And Danielson's like, look how many hours you spent on social media. Look how toxic this is. Take it off your phone. And I know that Jade was exclusively on Instagram for a while and off of Twitter. Um, but I think that that's interesting. A veteran wrestler telling Jade Cargill, hey, you're powerful, you're beautiful. I'm going to work with you on your matches, but you got to get off of Twitter. And she did. I think she did for a while. Um, but uh, Jade Cargill, you know what I want to see from her? Just another gear. Unless you're Hulk Hogan um, or John Cena, you could. You have to have more than five moves of doom. Got to have more than four or five moves. And I think that she went spot. Here's my next spot. Here's my next spot. And she just, I mean, it's it's crisp. That's for sure. But there's nothing out of the ordinary from Jade Cargill. And if it is, she gets lost. But once again, the championship's making her. I'm glad she's champion, but I want her to evolve also as a wrestler. Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, Karo Shida for the AEW Women's Championship. Tony Storm wins the championship. She was the odds-on favorite to win the championship this uh And I'm trying to figure out, is this interim or is she actually the champion? Because... I'm not sure what's going on with Thunder Rosa, whether or not that she's still going to be with the company. Did she ask for a release? She's injured. Is she coming back? I don't know the answer to this. You know, Tony Storm says, you know, whenever Thunder Rosa comes back, I'm going to beat her and I'll actually be the champion. So here we go again with the interim versus the real champion. Who's going to come out on top? Um, there was some heat. There's some heat there between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. I think that's legit. Along among some of the other issues in this company. Um, I was hoping that Jamie Hayter would win. I knew that Tony Storm was going to be the favorite. I was hoping Jamie Hayter would win. And by the way, I was excited because I'm a Jamie Hayter fan. And Britt Baker uh, stole a pinfall away from Jamie Hayter. And so I think there's a divide between Hayter and Britt Baker now. I saw the video where Hayter just blows right past Britt Baker. And Britt's like, hey, Jamie, let's talk. And she just, and, and Hayter just keeps going. I, it was every woman for herself, but... Baker 
try to get a pinfall in on Jamie Hayter, try to, you know, try to beat her or try to make sure the Hayter wouldn't win the championship. And so there's a divide there. It's been coming on for a while. And, and so here we are. I was hoping Hayter would win, though. Did I mention that? Oh, big Jamie Hayter fan. But Tony Storm's a champion. And, you know, she's going to be fine. She's always been a terrific performer. Uh, Sheeta also should be in contention as well. I think that she's fantastic. John Moxley against CM Punk for the AEW World's Championship. I think it was a very solid match. A lot of emotion in this matchup. I think that um, many believe that CM Punk was going to retain. I love the build for this. Um, the the on the Wednesday uh, before All Out. You know, it's it it funny working with um, with Brian and Gabe. They were all over me saying that. They didn't like the the whole thing with CM Punk needing uh, to build his confidence where Ace Steel told him to sign the contract as a Chicagoan. It was making my heart pump. I'm just telling you, like I thought it was fantastic because the story made sense. CM Punk had his, his foot broken. He loses in less than five minutes to um, to John Moxley and he comes to Chicago with his tail between his legs. and He's like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with me. I, you know, and then Ace Steel, who picks up the contract, and he goes to the ring and goes, "Hey, man, this is what we talked about in the back. You gotta, you know, you gotta want this." And he gave that whole spiel, and I thought it was very, it was fantastic. Now, again, we talk about storylines and storytelling. If this was in the WWE, you know what would happen? So Ace Steel was seen on camera taking the contract at that Moxley just dropped. Moxley signed the open deal and dropped the contract in the middle of the ring. You would think there'd be like 400 wrestlers trying to get in there and try to sign the contract, but nobody came out. But Ace Steel, who served as a agent, comes out and just takes the contract and puts it in his back pocket. If this is WWE, you might get the, the actual detail of... A camera going back to follow Ace Steel and then seeing Ace Steel close the door of CM Punk's dressing room or or people going after Ace Steel's like, hey, man, I saw you with that contract. Can I sign it? And Ace Steel say, no, 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 no. This is for someone else. Hey, can I sign this contract? No, no. This is for someone else. Are you going to wrestle him? No, no. This is for someone else. The detail was missing there in the story. That's what I think. I saw how I would have done it. But it was just a steal, someone that no one knew. They just thought he was just someone from the back. Tries to put the contract in his back pocket. And then he comes out an hour later, and then CM Punk, and there you go. So CM Punk becomes the champion over John Moxley. And Moxley was a fine champion. Moxley, I believe, will win the championship again at some point. I just think him and Chris Jericho and maybe some of the other younger talent will have it like, I don't know, like MJF have an opportunity to be the face of the company. Now, here's the thing about this. MJF comes out after everything with CM Punk. He comes out and he just pantomimes, hey, I'm going to win the championship or I want the title. And cool, cool, I like that. I'm glad that he's back after a three-month sabbatical. But just keep something in mind. It's about the face of the company, who do you want to be the face of the company? CM Punk had this vicious tirade against the people that work under Tony Khan, executive vice presidents. The executive vice presidents and Hangman Adam Page and many others off the record are saying that they're disappointed in CM Punk. That they just think that he's the shits as a champion and that he doesn't represent the company. Well, all this, right? Okay. So how will all this work? That's the question. How, how will all this come together and how will all this work? And that is the ultimate question there for that. I don't know. But how does, CM, how does MJF fit into this? That's a big question. And I will ask you this. So when will MJF get his title match? And will he win the championship? Because it's, another, it's one thing for him to come back to the company, whether he's signed to a long-term deal or not. Uh, or or an extension or whatever's going on with his contract situation. You know, MJF lost a lot of matches. He did beat CM Punk, if I got that right. I believe he did beat him. I believe that's the case. Um, but he's won some matches, but he's lost a lot too. So when will MJF have the opportunity to win the championship? Lastly, WWE elevates Paul Triple H Levesque 
to Chief Content Officer. Levesque will oversee creative writing, talent relations, live events, talent development, and creative services. Congratulations to Triple H. I think we kind of knew that, I think, but it's official now that he is the Chief Content Officer of WWE. And that, my friends, is Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We have got a lot of content over the last few days. My review of Clash of the Castles here, my thoughts on CM Punk and him being unprofessional is on here. I just told you my thoughts about Tony Khan and uh, and gave you my review of All Out. Also, if you missed the interviews, we had some terrific interviews over the last few days. Uh, Matt Menard was hilarious. Um because he's all about that sports entertainment. Uh, he was fantastic. Uh, Ty Valkyrie, Ty Valkyrie, who I've had on the program before, uh, she was promoting the Wrestling Showcase. She was fantastic as well. And that that Luigi, that pizza guy, that was actually uh, rolling dough in his hand while he was in a tag team matchup, I think it was a trios match, uh, he was on for a few minutes as well in Good Karma Wrestling. It's all part of this feed. Tell someone, don't be selfish. Tell someone that likes wrestling. Tell them to tune in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Let people know what's going on. And don't forget, we're brought to you by Manscaped, manscaped.com. Use my promo code HOOD, get 20% off. If you don't think you need it, you actually do. But if you don't think you need it, get it for someone else. Manscaped.com, and the promo code is HOOD. Thanks for listening. Talk to you Thursday, if not sooner, on TWT. There's people who call themselves EVPs. That should have fucking known better. This shit was none of their business. I understand sticking up for your fucking friends. I fucking get it. I stuck up for that guy more than anybody. Okay? I paid his bills until I didn't. And it was my decision not to. Yeah, but I shouldn't have no commented when Nick first said it. It's my I, fault. And I if I hadn't, it's my that. fault. It's my I appreciate fault. it. I should have just I'm, taken a head on because you never but said But I'm trying anything. to run a fucking business. And when somebody who hasn't done a damn thing in this business jeopardizes the first million dollar house that this company has ever drawn off of my back and goes on national television and does that. It's a disgrace to this industry. It's a disgrace to this company. Now, we're far beyond apologies, right? I gave him a fucking chance. It did not get handled, and you saw what I had to do, which is very regrettable, lowering myself to his fucking level. But that's where we're at right now. And I will still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go.